This episode is brought to you by Pillar Performance. If you take your training seriously but have a busy life, sleep can be one of the main things that makes your life and training great or terrible. Taking Pillar's Triple Magnesium 30 to 60 minutes before bed every night means that your sleep quality will improve, recovery will improve, and you can wake up the next day ready to train, work, be a good partner, friend, or parent. Stop letting your poor sleep make you tired and grumpy. Head to Pillar Performance's website, get yourself some triple magnesium, and use the discount code HTT20 for 20% off your order. Two, one. Alrighty, team, we're back um, for I think it's week four. Uh, unfortunately, we missed last week due to some um, yeah some pretty unreal things happening last week with Hamburg, uh, and obviously European champs ha- um, happened as well. So it was a little bit chaotic uh, in the scenes of triathlon. So we thought we'd just pay our respects and miss a week of the Hayden Wild podcast, but we're back. And we're back with a bang, and I'm super excited to introduce um, this lad. He's um, all the way from the UK. Um, some people say that he's more interested in Leeds football than he is in triathlon currently, but uh, he's an absolute legend of the sport, and he's made some huge like moves in the short course scene, like just making the the short course scene what it is today, um, especially with his brother. But we're joined here with Johnny Brownlee. Um, I think we can relate a little bit as we are the youngest of, uh, well, I'm the youngest of uh, two other brothers and you're the youngest of Alistair. So um, yeah, it's a pleasure to have you on the show and, and welcome. Yeah, good morning. Uh, thanks for having me here, here this morning. Uh, it'd be a great fun hour of chatting. Yeah, no, absolutely stoked to have you on board here, man. Like, yeah, just to ha- have a guy like you on the show, um, I guess just to tell us your story and to just have some banter. Um, I know that uh, I think your uh, my brother and yourself will actually get on very well. Hamish, how are you, mate? I'm good. I'm probably feeling a little bit better than Johnny does after his beloved Leeds just got relegated. But uh, yeah, it's good to be back. <laughs> <laughs> how are you, Jack? You good? Hayden, it's great to be back talking to you boys and even better to be joined by one of the greats in Johnny Brownlee. Johnny, you must be pretty disappointed that your beloved Leeds lost their WTCS race this year. Uh, yeah, I am. Uh, although, uh, without going too much, last year wasn't my finest. <laughs> uh, what happened there? But, uh, yeah, uh, I don't know, Hayden. What happened there? <laughs> uh, I don't really know, actually. Oh, was... <laughs> can, can we talk <laughs> about this? But Hamish, Hamish chucking me under the bus straight away. Eh? Look at that. <laughs> this is the topic I've wanted to talk about the entire time we've done this podcast. And I thought we'd just wait till we got Alex Yee on, but... We all know that Alex Yee doesn't talk to Hayden anymore, so they've had a bit of a, they've got a bit of beef now, and you know, Alex doesn't like him. And so I was actually surprised we got Johnny on, being the other main main guy involved. That um, you know Hayden. For those who don't know, um, Hayden Hayden decided he'd rather everyone die than 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 to see Alex or Johnny win. So <laughs> yeah, pretty, well, pretty much, yeah, yep. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll come on to the, the crash, I'm sure, but. Uh, yeah, to Leeds. Yeah, I was upset that the Leeds World Series wasn't Leeds World Series anymore. Yeah. Um, or because I think, 
Well, it, we worked hard to get it in Leeds, firstly, and it's been brilliant to see the whole kind of um, pyramid of triathlon leads from our foundation uh, at the bottom, where we've just um, actually two weeks ago, we had our 50,000th child do a triathlon through on our foundation to the, the clubs structure that we've got, the university um, set up, uh, the elite side, and then the World Series at the top. And uh, you know, when I started uh, triathlon and racing um, in the UK, to have a World Series in London was amazing. And we never, ever, ever thought we'd have a World Series in Leeds. And uh, one of my proudest moments is uh, the first time we had it in 2016. Um, we told everyone on the circuit that, uh, that the crowd would be absolutely incredible, that there would be tens of thousands of people watching. Uh, and then we came to City Centre and to see four or five people deep the whole around the City Centre was uh, absolutely incredible. And just, you know, a proud, proud sporting moment. And uh, we do support sport really well in Leeds. And then uh, obviously last year, it wasn't my finest moment. Uh, <laughs> I've, um, uh, I ended up in A&E after Hayden very kindly took us out <laughs> uh, um, and uh, that took a bit of recovering from, but um, yeah, my wrist and my, uh, my elbow, thankfully healed. So that's all healed now. Yeah. So let's like, let's just take you back a little bit. Uh, so we'll, we'll get to that part. We'll do like a butterfly fix style. Uh, so I think it actually works quite well. So let's, let's, let's just take you back and find out who, who Johnny really is. Yeah. So if I go back to the game, I, uh, I started, I started triathlon when I was about six or seven years old, and we were very, very young triathletes. Um, my mum swam at the local swimming club, um, just a part in, in North Leeds. Uh, my dad used to run, so I ran at school, and then I, my uncle was doing triathlon. Uh, I actually went to watch him do the Yorkshire Dales triathlon, um, which I remember you swam in a cold lake and cycle up this really, really steep hill, and just being really, really excited about the whole sport and how hard it all was but um i swam biked and ran played quick played cricket rugby football all these sports until i was 13 14 years old and i went through this process where they kind of gradually fall away and it's kind of quite natural how it happened so yeah i started running seriously on a saturday morning where the cross country races were which meant i couldn't play football anymore on a on a friday evening because you know, i couldn't play a two-hour training match on a, on a friday then race the national champs on a Saturday. So I stopped playing football. Uh, rugby, I got a bit um, uh, small and started breaking too many fingers playing rugby. Uh, I'm obviously quite keen, enthusiastic player, so I try and make the tackles that I probably was too small for. And that, that put me out of swimming for a while, so I thought, I can't do that. Uh, so gradually, one by one, they fell away. Um, and throughout my whole school career, I, um, well, um, I had this kind of setup at school that Alistair formed, really, um, which was we cycled to school, um, which was about a 45-minute bike ride to school. Uh, it's actually the quickest way to get to school because of the traffic. We ran at lunchtime because there was a running um, squad at, 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 at school and then quickly got back, had some lunch, had an afternoon of school, and then a swimming squad swam after our school at half four till half six. So we kind of had this training program ready-made for us. Um but it was all just stuff that I did. You know, I never, ever thought that I would go to the Olympic Games or anything like that. And I grew up with uh, Olympians and especially Olympic, Olympic champions or medalists being um, guys which felt from countries like New Zealand and Australia, which was far, far, far away. I never, ever thought that a Brit could do that. Um, 
Um, I remember one of my earliest childhood memories is watching um, the Sydney Olympics in 2000 and uh, staying up really, really late to watch it. And again, just being fascinated by the whole sport. But again, it felt absolutely miles away. Um, Alistair qualified for the world champs um, for the first time. And I remember coming, him coming back and having his, having his Team GB kit and putting it on the kitchen table. And I thought, well, I can do that as well. Uh, and actually, I've got two big sporting mem- memories that really helped my career. And they're both um, not what I did. Um, the, the, the first was when Alistair became world junior champion um, in, in Lausanne in 2006. So I was uh, actually there as a world junior. In, uh, I was 16 years old. There was actually too many people to start on the pontoon. So we had to start in the water. Um, Alistair became world junior champion. I crashed on the first corner and had to carry my bike back. And I was literally carrying my bike back through the crowd um, while Alistair was crossing the finish line uh, to become world champion. And that was pretty big for me because it, it made me realise if he can do that, then you know, why can't I do that as well? And also Alistair going to Beijing Olympics in 2008. Again, I was in the stands uh, and Alistair was about to, well, about 5k. I thought he could win 5k on the run. And then he blew apart. But I remember being in the stands thinking, wow, my brother can actually win the Olympics here. Firstly, thinking that's a little bit boring because I thought Olympians are meant to be special, amazing people. <laughs> and if my brother did it, then it kind of wrecks that a little bit. Um, but then also thinking, well, I can do that as well. So that was yeah, absolutely massive moment for me. And then we were kind of in that the situation of uh, the run-up to London 2012, which is where the rest of my kind of life was formed, really. Um, yeah, I, had, I was very quickly... Uh, my first good senior race was the uh, the London World Series in 2010, uh, where I came uh, second. Was overshadowed by Alistair again, having heat exhaustion. I actually ran past him in the finishing straight, uh, <laughs> and he was uh, struggling with, with heat exhaustion. But we'll, we'll quickly pass over that one. <laughs> uh, um, and um, so that made me believe that I could. I had a chance of going to London 2012. Um, and then uh, the whole build-up to London was absolutely incredible, like nothing like I've ever experienced before. And this was when, uh, to answer your question, our lives changed. You know, we were part of um, uh, sponsors, so we got sponsored by BT at the time, so, um, which is a phone, a, a phone book, a telecommunications company, and we were on the, the BT phone book. So every single house in, I don't know if it's a country or just North England, got a BT phone book with, with uh, our pictures on the front. Uh, and that was massive for us and triathletes. Uh, uh, you know, uh, before that, when I started doing triathlon at school, say I said I'm doing a triathlon at the weekend, and someone would say, "What's that? Does it involve horse riding or shooting or anything like that?" <laughs> no, 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 it's spin bike run. So it really, really changed us. And then, um, yeah, the run up to London, um, I, I couldn't go out for a run or a bike ride without someone stopping and saying good luck or buying me lunch and saying good luck bring, bring those medals back home um, and then to, to get two medals in a home Olympics then transformed everything you know we suddenly uh, became um, um, more recognisable at home uh, we couldn't really do anything for a while again without getting recognised or you know, it's all very very positive stuff so that's the kind of legacy for the, for the rest of my career. Yeah, it's a um, it's such a crazy thing to think because obviously a similar I guess thing happened to Hayden where nobody knew who the fuck this guy was, 
And then he went and got his Olympic medal and he's like a household name in New Zealand now. But going back on your story as well, Johnny, I'm pretty sure when anyone thinks of short course triathlon, they the first names I think of, the Brownlee boys. Like you guys have- Oh, 100%. Yeah, you guys have done so much like just for the sport in itself, which is, I guess, such an incredible feat. And, and as you said, as a kid, you never even would have dreamt of going you know, to a World Series, let alone an Olympic Games. And now you guys are like the- I guess you guys are like almost the godfathers of bloody short course triathlon. Oh, thank you. Uh, I never know quite what to say to that. Uh, I always say that um, we were incredibly fortunate with the timing of it, you know, to have two brothers um, in good shape at the Home Olympics. It doesn't come round that often. And at a time, the Home Olympics where um, sport was massive in the UK and uh, uh, you know, people go for, go out for whole careers without having a home Olympics, and to have one as my first was uh, I was incredibly fortunate. So I think that that helped massively, and uh, I guess I also try not to think about it too much um, because the whole pressure side is something that you know it is, it is in the sport, and we've had to deal with that. Uh, and London was massive for that. And I'm, actually, one of my proudest moments was um, getting the penalty in London and actually being able to deal with the whole pressure. And not thinking, oh no, I might not get a medal now because uh, of a stupid penalty, and it's going to you know wreck my whole career and that and that. And I never thought of that. And um, we had this kind of this um, attitude going into London that we want to treat it like a normal race. That is very very difficult to do. Um, but into London, we we've done the exact same thing the year before. We've been to altitude in Samaritz for four weeks. We've come down two weeks before. We'd been at home. We didn't go down to the uh, the opening ceremony in London. We stayed at home, got into our opening ceremony outfits, had fish and chips with all our coaches and stuff, <laughs> and, and watched it. Um, and, and and then actually, I remember we were going to say we thought we weren't going to watch much of it. The Olympics lead up because the triathlon was quite late in the Olympic timetable. But the first day, the road cycling race was on, and we came back from our run session, turned it on, and watched it. Uh, so that, that didn't really work, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, we and even the, the train down to London was something we've done before millions of times. We stayed in the same hotel the year before. The route from the hotel to the Olympic start line is what we've done the year before. The year before, so it was as much as we could do a, a normal race. But uh, yeah, to answer your question about how it changed our life, yeah, it it, it did massively. Uh, you get more recognised, like you say, uh, a lot more pressures on you from sponsors, and you're a lot busier. Uh, um, but I actually think in many ways, um, the Cosmo 2016 stuff changed my, our lives even more. And that was, uh, weirdly bigger in the public eye. Um, mm. I, uh, and that I became more recognizable after that. And that was when we got invited on more on TV shows and all that kind of thing. <laughs> so that was, if anything, bigger. And I struggled with that more, if I'm honest, yeah. because, I, I understand mm. the success and the recognition from success, but I saw Cozumel as a failure. So to get the, uh, uh, the the recognition from a failure for me is something I actually found really tough. Yeah. So like, I, I guess for like the people um, who, who don't know, who I must be living under a rock or something. So uh, in Cozumel World Champs, Johnny was leading the race and pretty much just completely buried himself until heat exhaustion. And you, you, honestly, you just go on like, I think uh, Instagram with reels and uh, TikTok these days, like you just see it all the time. And I think it's actually popped up again, yeah. um, just randomly. Uh, and I've seen it on my feed many times and it's, uh, it's an incredible thing. So in a triathlon, 
Um, you know, it was what the last 300 meters, Johnny. And, um, unfortunately you're not allowed outside assistance, but your brother hooked, uh, hooked, um, hooked you around, uh, his shoulders and, and got you over the line, um, in second place. So that was, um, it was incredible. So I guess, well, how does it feel to then push through that kind of that barrier of that heat exhaustion and that, that fear of doing it again? Yeah, um, well, um, as an athlete, you don't want any restrictions, do you? And you don't want any, well, as many, as least amount of worries as possible. And I don't think I, I realised uh, how much that whole experience took out, out of me physically. Mentally, I actually think I got over it okay. Um, I wasn't that worried about it because I didn't actually remember any of it. So <laughs> many ways, it was actually quite easy. But um, uh, physically... Uh, and genuinely, for the next couple of years at least, I think I, in my body I had a cap that um, I'd, I'd get to about 95% of my capacity and my body would go, we're not going anywhere near that again. We're stopping here. And I, there's times when I cross the finish line and I would go, I could not have gone any harder if someone had said, you've got to go as early as possible, you cannot. But I wasn't that tired. Um, and I think that's because my body just readjusted uh, from that 100% to 95%. Um, and it wouldn't go any hard. It wouldn't go any 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 any, any close to that. Um, and I think I've, I've I've got over that now. And I don't know if that's been time, more training, the heat, the preparation for Tokyo, um, all all that kind of thing. But I, I I'm over that now. But yeah, like I say, it did take two years of getting over. Uh, it was tough because um, in the months after Cozumel, I actually went down did some testing. The British Army helped with some some testing because they had a lot of heat exhaustion cases. Uh, and there was nothing wrong with, wrong with me physically. So health-wise, I all the blood tests showed that I was fine. All the other tests showed that I was fine. Because what can quite happen is your body can start getting hot, and then it can start to react really badly to that. Because again, it's going. I don't want to do that again. I'm not doing that. That's just stupid. Um, but my body wasn't doing that. But for some reason, in races, I think it was. It did continue to do that for for one or two years after. And. Uh, there's nothing I could do with that apart from give it time. Uh, but I, yeah, like I say, I think I'm over that now. And um, one thing I have learned is if I if there are hot races, I have to prepare for them. I I don't know if that's a, now a um, a legacy of the Cosmel experience or if that's just something that maybe when I was younger I got away with because when you're younger you've it is a bit easier. Um, or now since Cosmel, my body needs to be prepared. So if it is a hot race, I have to prepare for it. There's there's no shortcut. Uh, I don't enjoy the heat preparation. I enjoy being outside on my bike, enjoying that, but it's something that I've got to do. That 2016 Cosmo race, I feel like some depth gets forgotten about that story often when we tell it and when we hear about it because it goes straight to the image of Alistair with his arm around you, pushing you over the line and, and helping, you, <laughs> helping you finish. But it was so much more than that because, like Hayden said, you were winning that race looking quite comfortable Alistair was always going to, you know, even if he was next to you, he was always going to let you cross the line in front of him because you were in a battle for the world championship um, with Mario Mola and you had to finish three spots ahead of Mario Mola to win the, the world title. And you, you, were, you, were, you were looking like doing that and it was just, but you were looking like doing that because Mario Mola and Richard Murray, Murray were coming from a chase group behind and you and Alistair and Henry Schoeman, Schoeman were off the front. And then, like I said, again, in that final 500 metres, um, you get completely delirious and forget where you are and Alistair's pushing you over the line and he's like, come on, come on, come on, because Richard Murray and, and Mario Mola are running up from behind um, in, in like sixth and seventh and then fourth and fifth. 
Um, and so, you know, Henry Schumann comes around you and then Alistair pushes you across the line ahead of him. You finish second and Mario Mola comes fifth. So there's only two people between you, not the three required, and you lose the, the world championships by, I think, the closest margin in the history of it um, with you with... I think like he had, you had like 4,800 and something points and he had 4,800 and something points, like four, four ahead of you. So yeah, because of that, um, that sort of, sort of five, final 500 metres, there was that extra layer where yeah, you, you lost the world championships by the closest amount ever, even with Alistair pushing you over and, and you getting the spot ahead of him, even though he could have and Henry Schumann coming past you and yeah, Mario Mola finished that perfect, perfect fifth. So yeah, that's, that's such a deep, crazy story. And, and it is funny that you only get known for the surface level thing of like the 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 ten second footage of it. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. Um, yeah, I've only been world uh, senior, well, triathlon series champion uh, once as well. So uh, yeah, I missed out by four points in twenty sixteen, and I missed out on the sprint finish with Javier Gomez in twenty thirteen. So. Uh, yeah, it was a big thing for me. I'd love to be able to call myself two-time uh, world champion, but I, I can't, and that's because of that. And like you say, everyone will focus on, on the moment of Alistair being very, very kind. <laughs> uh, uh, down the finishing straight. And uh, yeah, um, it worked well for Alistair. Alistair got shortlisted for Sports Personality of the Year. Uh, <laughs> uh, far, more, yeah, far more famous for that. Um, but yeah, for me, it, it is a shame. And then the whole aftermath as well, a lot of people don't know is the, uh, it continued for a few weeks afterwards because uh, the Spanish Federation actually appealed and tried to continually get me disqualified. So then Fernando Lazo would then actually have been second uh, and I would have been third. So it actually continued for a while afterwards. Um, uh, at that point, I honestly didn't care. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, fair enough. But um, yeah, it kept on going and uh yeah, I hope that it's done our bit to raise the profile of the sport and the series and, and keep it going. But for me at the time, it wasn't it wasn't much fun. Can we talk about the the crash now? Like I know we're beating around the bush <laughs> and talking about how good your career was and all these well, amazing I was, moments. I was, was going to bring, bring out two more things, but sure, Jet, you can you can start off. <laughs> the only reason I'm here this late is because I want to hear about this crash. It's the only reason I'm here. I don't want, like, I, we could talk all day about how, how amazing Jonathan Brownlee is, like, obviously, one of the, the best of all time. But we all know that. But tell us about the crash. What happened? You want to start? You want to start, mate? Well, actually, it's, it's, from my point of view, it's quite simple. Um, we were, obviously, uh, a big group in Leeds, the guys are off the front, and you come flying down the hill uh, into transition, out to mission, and... Um, the way that happens is the pack basically moves around so much because of the fact that people go behind, catch up, and then fly forward. And uh, all I remember seeing Hayden coming around the right-hand side and then pulling into the pack. <laughs> and I think taking the t- the wheel of your teammate out, and he just went absolutely flying uh, sideways into me. And then I went flying over the handlebars uh, into... Uh, and Alex hit me, and I remember the moment I've been on the floor going wow, did that really happen? Um, and then going, Alex, you okay? And him going, are you okay, mate? And then um, I just looked at my elbow and thought, oh, no. Uh, uh, yeah, so that was the last moment was seeing Hayden's black tri suit. And then I walked down the, um, down to, back down to mission. When Hayden came up, I had a few words with Hayden. <laughs> um, and then um, yeah. um, spent the next hour trying to find a way to get to Amy. Uh and then, yeah, obviously, um, went to A&E, found out my uh, elbow was broken. Um, was actually the point quite relieved of that because I got told it's not that bad. 
And then after three weeks of trying to mess around with it, I got told my scaphoder was broken. Uh, and that was Commonwealth's over for me because at that point, there's no comeback. I uh, had to have a cast on for four or five weeks. So I booked a, a flight to Chamonix and went to the Alps. <laughs> um, <laughs> nice. And that's it for me. Yeah. So uh, I don't know what Hayden's viewing it, but that's uh, that's mine. <laughs> No, it's that's 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 pretty much like in, in some ways it's pretty much exactly how, how it went. I don't know if anyone watched the race, but um yeah, same thing. There was a small course, there was um you kind of get condensed down this kind of chute where we came down the hill, we came back up and as as Johnny said, um you get that slingshot effect where you go into the group. And I was kind of in that that inside in, in the middle of the group and as yeah, as he said, I came up on the on the right side. We were going about sixty K easily um and it was uh yeah it was it was definitely a wrong move from my, my point of view uh and i and i came up on the side of my teammate dylan mccallick and we just nipped elbows um and as i nipped his elbow his front wheel literally went sideways um and then he flew up into the sky uh which took johnny and, and alex down behind me um and i looked back and i was actually like i think when um i came around that second lap and and Johnny gave me some words. I was uh, I was pretty keen just to not race anymore because I knew what I did and I was really gutted about it. And I didn't really feel like I wanted to race anymore just because I knew that I you know took the two two of the best guys out in, out in the race. And you know after the after the after the race, uh, I actually won that day. I had to chase down Leo and and Vince. They were thirty seconds up the road, and yeah, I kind of crossed the finish line and it kind of it definitely didn't really feel like I, I won that race. So it was, I think a few weeks after that race where it was Hamburg, that kind of felt like it was my first world series win because I just didn't feel, I don't know. It was just, it was a, it was a really weird feeling. Cause I know it was, it was Leeds. It, it's, it's Alex's and, and, and the Brownlee's home. And um, you know, the, the last thing you want to see is other athletes, coming down especially when you're involved and that was the first thing I wanted it to get across especially over um, the post-race interview was like um, you know I want to admit, admit that and I felt like shit for weeks afterwards and I was I was getting some some pretty bad some some pretty bad hate mail and I was just like oh like it was it was definitely not intentional or anything but um, yeah I know what you know I was very kind of gutted for what I did and um it was definitely not intentional at all and I think for a while there especially through Super League I I, I thought that you know I thought you hated me for a bit Johnny <laughs> and I think you knew that as well <laughs> and then we and then obviously we we finally talked after Super League which was a few months after and you know it was it was a shit situation as I think I also stitched myself up because I finally had the best of my life in the com games. So I actually kind of needed you in the com games and we could have <laughs> rode away together. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, well, I, I actually watched the uh, com games on a, um, on my turbo. Uh, and I thought that, I thought that'd be absolutely perfect for me. <laughs> uh, oh, I know, right. I was like, Oh man. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, these things do happen. Um, at the time, I was obviously really upset because for me, a home Commonwealth game, doesn't about home Olympics doesn't come around that often. And then to be out the home Commonwealth, you know, hurt me. Um, but, but, yeah, these things happen. And I think, uh, you know, Hayden, uh, I actually think Hayden uh, was a, an aggressive rider, but I actually think you've become less aggressive now. I don't know if that was down to the crash or anything <laughs> like that, but I think uh, your, 
Uh, you know, maybe I was the young, gun, aggressive guy coming through at one point, and I completely get that. Uh, and I don't want to be this old guy sat there going, oh, back in my day, it's safe. But I, think, uh, I, I actually think Hayden now rides um, far, far better. So I don't know, maybe he can. Is that a result of the Leeds crash or just because of getting older? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, no, I think I think it is a bit of that. Like it's been, it was a bit of experience. Like I think that the year before, you know, I talked to Harvey about it in the last podcast. There was so many crashes that year, and like I think it was just that it was that year of I think there was so many young guys coming through and trying to make their name. And I think when that happened, I was like, you know, I come from a background where I was want to be super aggressive. Is I think we've watched guys like um, yourself and your brother and 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 Harvey being so aggressive in a good way. Uh, you know, making the course interesting and the racing interesting. And I think there was, you know, myself and other people were kind of wanting to be that that aggressor in the race to kind of mix it up a bit. But then there's, you know, there's that line that you, you've just got to kind of tap on. And I think learning from that experience, it's then made me, I think, in, in some ways and like a, a bit more aware and a better athlete, a little bit more tactical, but also like just being smart of where to attack and, and what to do. And I think that, yeah, as you said, come, has, I think it's come with age but also just more experience and especially like the courses around these days. Like I think you do have to be a bit more, more careful as much as you want to be uh, aggressive. You know, they just, it's just so many parts of the course that are tight and technical and sometimes just better off to not just risk everything. Uh, You know, I've seen some pretty big crashes in, in front of me and I've always been that guy that didn't want to cause anything like that. So I think when it happened, I was like, all right, like, you know, settle the fuck down, mate, like take it easy. Johnny, what were the choice words that you uh, said to Hayden when you, when you got crashed <laughs> They were actually not um, too bad, to be fair, but I know it was. Uh, uh, he did it very politely. Uh, <laughs> in a polite British way. I don't know how, you, how much you've had to swear on this podcast, but... Uh, Go for the goal. I, the more the to better. Fair, uh, to be fair, I'd had a... Um, well, I did, I did a call you a... Uh, uh, I said, well done, Hayden, you effing... Twat or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something like that. like, are you happy now? You, you fucking, you fucking twat. Yeah, something like that. I do remember it, but it was, it could have been worse. Yeah. It definitely could have been worse. <laughs> well, to cap it off, I, uh, I think I was watching the, the race on my phone in a taxi on the way down, and I saw Hayden win. Oh. And, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, yeah, and that was, I, to be fair, I, I had a lap to um, calm down. Because um, obviously, <laughs> You, you, you kind of hit the ground. You realise, but firstly, nothing's at the moment seriously broken. And then I had a lap to calm down. But and then um, I think he was actually attacking off the front when I was walking down to finish. So that was another salt in the wound. But yeah, no, something like that. And um, yeah, it, you know, like I say, I was upset for a few weeks afterwards. But I took my kind of self away from it all. Um, and then you know, real kick was then not being able to get to come off games. Um, but then by the time I got to Super League, uh, I felt, you know, me and Hayden had this weird thing where we just uh, ignoring each other for a little bit, which I, I didn't really like. So uh, I actually went up to Hayden and said, mate, come on, uh, you know, I, 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 I don't hate you. You know, uh, I completely get these things happen. You know, what happened, you know, you hurt me, but, you know, these, these, these things happen and, you know, I'm, I'm enough to get over it. And uh, it's not good for both of us to just keep on ignoring each other at Super League. And, uh, nah. you know, I, I was expecting... No, I, was, I was more scared. <laughs> uh, 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 yeah, um, you yeah. <laughs> um, it's not back in Leeds this year, so you'll be fine because I've got a, I've got all the Leeds, the Leeds mafia to be on you. <laughs> <laughs> How did Hayden fall off his bike? There was a tree in his so, tire. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
no, so uh, yeah, it's all fine now. And like I said, I went to Hayden at, uh, at, at Super League and just said, come on, we can't get over this. And uh, I think we hugged it out yeah. and uh, that's fine. Yeah, I, I, I completely respect Hayden as an athlete. And like I say, uh, for me, actions actually speak louder, louder than words. And um, uh, we need to look after each other, each other on the bike. And uh, you say it's not, I, I, I'm the first one to uh, uh, want aggressive racing and like that. But as like Hayden says, um, it's, it's about knowing where that line is. And I feel now that Hayden, the, what I've seen firsthand, knows where that line is. So that speaks louder to me than anything. Especially after the uh, the last week in triathlon. It is funny to joke about, but it, it's also a, a really good point that yeah, looking after each other out in the race course is important. Johnny, can I move on from one controversy to another? And I sort of was a bit, oh, yeah. like, a bit twisted here because I'm like, I want to ask you about so many things because you are involved in so many of my favorite races ever you're if i had to write a list of my top 10 athletes of all time you're definitely in there i'm a i'm a huge fanboy and unapologetically a fanboy of you oh thank you i want to get stuck into the controversy instead because i've heard you talk about all these good things a million times something i haven't heard you talk about much is the harry wiltshire javier gomez situation i've always wanted to ask you or alistair about this so for those who don't know um, there was a big controversy. I don't even really remember the year, to be honest. Uh, um, 2011. 11? Yeah, I think it was too. So Harry Wiltshire, he's a, a Team GP uh, triathlete. And you and Alistair were obviously involved with your rivalry with Javier Gomez at the time, the, the, the greatest rivalry that we've ever seen in triathlon. Um, and sort of near the swim exit, Harry Wiltshire swims next to Javier Gomez and then pushes him basically into a wall and like blocks him and takes him off course and yeah, smashes him into a wall and, and, and sort of, you know, derails his race a little bit. And at the time, the rumour was that you and Alistair had paid um, him to, to swim Javier Gomez off course and wreck his race so that you guys could, could go on to, to have an easier win. And I've just never heard you fully address that. Uh, can you talk to me about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. I've hardly, I don't think I've ever been asked it, to be honest with you. So, uh, yeah, um, of course, that the whole situation was, was really weird. Uh, to set a context for that, um, at that point, um, it became pretty obvious that there was going to be, going into 2012, there's going to be Alistair and myself going to London 2012, and then likely to be a domestic for that third slot. So Harry was basically spending the, the next 18 months trying to become a domestic um, we were racing in Pontevedra, the European champs. Um, um, Gomez's uh, hometown, where we actually the grand finalists this year. Um, and um, yeah, we had an absolutely brilliant race. And I have to come out this way because um, Alice and myself were sprinting around the streets of Pontevedra. And the first time I knew something weird was happening was uh, some of the Spanish fans were uh, booing us and spitting on us on the run. And I was like, what is going on? Um, and then um, we crossed the finish line, we're, we're happy. And then our French manager at the time, because we all raced for French teams, um, and our Southfield team manager said, oh, Javier's dad's really angry. And they're just like, okay, um, I don't know why. Maybe he's just had a bad race. And then we got drug tested. It was a really, really late race in, in Spain. Um, I think it finished at like 9 o'clock at night or something. So it was really late. Go back to the hotel. and Standard. Yeah, his standard. We actually went to uh, out for a drink, and one of the Swiss coaches was like, "Oh, this is big." And like, again, we're like, "I no idea what had happened." Um, and again, at the next few days, this kind of came out that Harry had um, 
uh, a targeted Gomez and then we actually went to San Moritz on a training camp with Harry and um, uh, that's when we saw the hate mail coming through or uh, the videos and um, I um, I was like Harry firstly you know what what were you doing what are you thinking um, so I can categorically say it was absolutely obviously completely not a team order firstly because um, like I say we knew nothing about it Secondly, I never, ever, ever raced that way anyway. Um, you know, team tactics are about help, helping your team, not hindering another athlete. I don't agree with that at all. And thirdly, I don't actually think it's possible to do it. You know, sure, Hayden can back me up here that if you were to say, I want you to find that person on the swim and slow them down, I, I don't think I could genuinely do it. Um, it'd be really hard anyway. Um, I think Harry kind of was trying his best to... If, if you like, or um, show himself as the best domestic at the time and wasn't swimming it at the front like he wanted to be. Um, so I might he might have got caught in a situation of thinking that he um, that was the best thing and show himself as domestic when actually it was the complete opposite because yeah. <laughs> um, you know you're not really uh, it's gonna be hard for to pick someone well, after that controversy. And uh, yeah, I was you know really upset. This got a, uh, we got accused of this, but to say to have you, he was absolutely brilliant. You know, I. Uh, read some of the stuff that he said and he said that we'd never ever do that or race like that and genuinely I would have liked nothing better than a battle with Javier around the streets of his hometown and um, yeah. uh, we were in brilliant shape then uh, and it would have been great fun but unfortunately we didn't, we yeah. didn't have the opportunity so yeah that is the complete uh, honest truth and uh, um, you know, Harry is someone I still train with now and still to this day we joke about it and uh, um, to him and he's like, you know, he doesn't like talking about it. But you know, again, <laughs> that's all. that's that's it. Yeah, and I think, and I think it just like it actually works out quite perfectly because we had Harvey on the on the chat, you know, a couple of weeks ago, and we asked him like, you know, who do you think was the greatest um, triathlete of all time, you know, in our in our, in our present life, and you know, he said Alistair. Um, so it just goes there's no bad blood there and that's really cool how Harvey has 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 been such a, a really nice guy around it and you know, first thing, just knew that you guys don't race like that. So that was, that, that's really nice. But um, I guess, yeah, we've, we've done all, all that sort of chat that Jack would like to, to bring up, but um, yeah, we'll bring it to you, Jack. What's our, uh, what are we going on for our next segment? What's our intro, mate? Well, just firstly, one, one quick thing. It would have been nice. <laughs> it, it would have been nice if Harry had to come to London instead of Stuart Hayes because you'd be a two-time silver medalist oh. now, now, Johnny. Not, not, a, not, a, bronze, not <laughs> a bronze and a, and a silver. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, let, let's, let's jump in. Yeah, I always get this wrong. Let's, let's jump in to agree or disagree with, uh, with Hammer here. All righty. So I've got a, uh, a few more. Uh, ticked up today. What I want from the boys is just a yes or no answer, and uh, and then we'll just move on. So uh, we'll go around the go around the chat as I uh, as I go through them. Alrighty. So obviously the race of Madrid just been it was a duathlon, and I'm going to ask the first uh, agree or disagree here. If the swim leg is cancelled, should the race be cancelled or postponed? Uh. Well, I, I think it should be duathlon. <laughs> but you mean, uh, can I say that? No. Agree or disagree? Oh, uh, I think, no, I, I, I disagree. No, I disagree. <sighs> well, you travel you travel all that way and then you say, oh, no, you can't race. Like, where are they going to put the race? Yeah, <laughs> I, I disagree. I disagree. And also, uh, 
Well, sorry, knowing from how Leeds works as well, obviously City's put a lot of money into that race and it probably never be there again yeah. if it gets completely cancelled. Uh, so you what you want to keep this the race there. Fair enough, fair enough. Alrighty, will Johnny Brownlee podium this year at the WTS? <laughs> um, Hayden, you go first. Yes. <laughs> Mate, you've got some good form. You, you're current, uh, it's like... It's, I think the way that the racing's been going now, like there's been that solidified um, group up the front, you know, like there hasn't, you know, I think in two races it's been, ex- I think the racing right now has kind of gone to your favor in the way you race, you know, like the, the swim's solid, but then the bike's been really solid. But then, you know, as, as you know, you can run off a, a really strong bike where I don't think a lot of people can. So yeah, uh, Montreal's coming up. So um, Montreal's coming up, baby. <laughs> <laughs> hammer goes hammer goes before it now guys i just want a one word agree or disagree or yes or no and on the second question hayden's gone into the essay uh, <laughs> i don't know what races you're doing plan to do this year johnny but i think i think there is some some win not even podium races probably probably winnable ones so yeah i i agree perfect all righty i'll uh move that one on to the next one then will hayden be alex in wts this season Disagree. Yes, I think I won. I I have to back my. You have to back yourself as an athlete. Yes. <laughs> All right. Perfect. That's the answers I was looking for. Nice, quick, and sharp. Okay, now something a little fun. Should triathlon go back to the good old days to speedos? Yes. yes. I like speedos. Yes. <laughs> we all want to see it. No. Hamish Carter ripped it. You should see Hamish Carter's no, orchid kit. Jack said no because he knows he'll get a dirty rash if he has to uh, some speedos. No, it's, it's not that I'll get one. It's that if I wear it, you'll see my rash and I hide that shit. Uh, all righty, on to the next one. Is Super League the best form of triathlon full stop? Yes, I enjoy it. Yes. yeah. Big, big, big no. <laughs> you love right, it, Jack, no. don't you? It's not close. It's not, it's not even close. Uh, Jack's more of a mixed what do you, what, guy. What do you think the best? What do you think the best form of triathlon is? Uh, at the moment, I think the PTO uh, distance is the best. Okay. All right. On to the next one. Um, well, since Jack brought that up, I'll, I'll skip one and go back to that one shortly. I saw you post. This is just like a fun little social media one, Jack. I saw that you posted like the PTO does like an athlete of the month. Do you think WTS should introduce the same thing and do an athlete of the month? I want to respect the rules of the game and say yes or no. Yes, they need to do lots more though. Like this WTCS, just do more. Just lots, 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 lots. So much more content. Yes. Yeah, cool. I completely agree. I uh, I always think they missed a trick doing that. Alistair Javier game days of not promoting it more. They should do more still. They got that Alex Hayden now. Amen. Yeah. Mm. Is triathlon better now than it was 10 years ago? Yes. Athletes-wise. Yes, more opportunities to race. Yeah, I guess, yes, more opportunities to race, but yeah, I didn't race 10 years ago, so I can't comment. <laughs> Alrighty, and to finish up the segment, if Johnny gets another Olympic medal, will he be known as the most successful short course triathlete because of his Hall of Olympic medals? No. Well, he's, he's the only man to clock the Olympics, to be fair. Like, his brother just went greedy and got two golds, but Johnny was like, you know what? I'm going to get all three. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna is say that, no, is that yes or no, Hayden? No, nah, no, Alex is insane. As much as I back like the youngest brother scenario, like 
have to give it to the older brother this time. Johnny, how is that? Like, I would say that if we were to rank the, the most successful short course triathletes of all time, you're, you're definitely top five without question, if not top three. But how does it feel knowing that that Alistair sort of, um, despite you being so good and, and one of our greatest of all time, that you're so overshadowed by your brother who is the greatest of all time? Uh, yeah, well, so one of my proudest moments is the fact that between I can't I think it was May 2010 or something in May 2014 I was on the podium in every single race I did uh, it ended up being something like 44 45 races in a row um, and I'm really really proud of that, that consistency I don't think it'll be beaten um, because I don't think it's, it's possible nowadays in the way that racing's gone Um and I'm proud of that. I've been a consistent athlete, but I'm very used to Alistair always kind of beating me on the world stage. And one of the things, again, I'm really proud of is never having that jealousy towards him. And I genuinely mean that. Mean that. And I, I've benefited massively in my career um, from having Alistair there, but I never think I quite got over that younger uh, sibling thing. And the biggest mistake I've ever, I ever made, and I wish I could go back. Uh, so this is a long answer was into the Rio Olympics. I was really fit. I was running better than Alistair. The traction we did before Rio, I was absolutely flying. And in Rio, uh, I pushed the bike really hard, probably a bit too hard. Um, we got ahead in about 5k into the run. It was obvious that we were going to come first and second. Uh, and I, I said to Alistair, relax, as in like, you know, relax here, don't blow up. And he took that as in Johnny's suffering, he's, he's showing weakness and kind of took off. And I wish I never, ever showed that weakness there. Uh, so that's the biggest regret I've got in my career. And but apart from that, I completely accept, and I'm very used to Alistair having all, all the kind of uh, the, the limelight. And uh, I think actually, if anything, I quite enjoy that. <laughs> I've never heard that story before. That's fascinating. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I kind of wish I never did it. Uh, yeah, I, I could just tell you that the ten days before Rio, we were on a, 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 a naval a, a air force base in Brazil on a running track and I um, remember the last 800 metre of a rep of a session Alistair tried to come round me I thought oh, is that all he's got kind of took off and dropped him um, <laughs> and, I, and, I, wow. and I was I was being absolutely brilliant and um, if anything I think I wasn't as ruthless as I should have been I think I took it more as we're in a team here it was against the world that, that interview we were really, really really worried about Vince because he hadn't raced for like eight months before or something and we didn't know how fit he was so it almost felt like it was against Vince when we were in that front pack mm. um, and then once we dropped him I thought right it's just us two and yeah I shouldn't have shown that weakness I very much wish and I, 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 if mm. I go back and I could show that confidence I don't know what would have happened because moments yeah. like that change races yeah everyone loves a good stat and we love stats on the podcast so just to give you a quick rundown so yep Johnny's had his 94 starts 51 podiums, 21 wins. So that's over a 50% podium rate. As you said, you had 40 of those, nearly 44 of those in a row. That's insane. Like yeah. consistency is there and it was insane. So just having that, like the cool thing about it, like you can go on worldtriathlon.org um, and have a look at people's stats and stuff, but to then go into it and actually just see, because some people have crazy like numbers and wins and podiums, but the thing is like these stats are World Series podiums and wins. Like this isn't just going to a, there's three levels. There's like Continental Cup, World Cup, and then World Series where the big dogs are. And 
those are nearly those would say nearly like 54 or 51 to 21 wins are big dog wins you know they're not just going over to a um you know play in in continental cup it's 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 business and it's 51 podiums were the best in the world so uh, that's absolutely insane um stat to have mate I think those stats probably actually summarise my analysis career. <laughs> in the, <laughs> if you look at analysis, uh, he's probably had, I don't know, you'll be able to see, but um, he's either basically wins or comes nowhere. Uh, so he's probably not actually had loads and loads of podiums. Um, he's just had yeah. wins, whereas I've been a lot more in a second and uh, third. Yeah, man, exactly. Uh, but yeah, you know, to, to answer the question, like I say I've, I've been very proud of that and I've, uh, I've never had any jealousy towards Alistair for that. That's cool. Um, I was actually um, planning on asking you a question today, Johnny, um, but just talking to you for the last hour, it's literally just answered it because I, I love looking on start lists um, right around the world, no matter what race they are, World Cups, like even the European champs and stuff. You seem to be on a shitload of them. And I was like, why the fuck does this guy race all the time? But I've literally just <laughs> love it. You know, discovered over this hour, you just fucking love triathlon. And you just love uh, it. So I think you've answered that question mm. just by talking to us for the last hour. Yeah, I know. Thank you. Yeah, I, I do enjoy the sport. It's a great sport. And I think that's why I've been in it so long. And as soon as I stop enjoying it and enjoy training, then uh, I'll definitely time to call it a day. And uh, yeah. yeah, well, uh, Paris, if I go there, will definitely be my last Olympics. I definitely will be continuing awesome. again. Hey, Hayden and Hammer, can I ask a question before we wrap up here? Uh, and it, it goes on to what I was just saying about there. We, we all, us three, I think probably us four agree that Alistair Brownlee is the greatest short course triathlete of all time. And I love the greatest of all time discussion. It's my favorite discussion. Who do we think is the second best of all time? Because I, I put the list down to something like it's Alistair number one. And then your number two is Javier Gomez, Johnny Brownlee. And, and then you could probably make an argument for like a Simon Whitfield or maybe Alex Yee, maybe Christian Blumenfeld, but it's, you know, it's those kind of people where do you boys put Johnny in that? Got to put Bevan Dockett there somewhere, surely. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah, like my top, it's so hard because like I've raced, I've kind of raced all those guys, but whether they're on their peak or not, you know, probably not because 2012, 2016, like I never did triathlon then. So it's so hard to know like who would have been or could have been better. But like, I think if looking at the people now, especially like in our 2000 era, you know, you're, I just can't decide whether it's Carvier, Johnny, but, you know, Mario as well. And, you know, Bevan Doherty, Hamish Carter, like it's so hard. <laughs> like I think there's just been so many greats, you know, like get those Kiwi to... boys out of there. No, no Australians. In there. I, I, I can make a top 10, but just not, I just don't know what order. I've actually changed mine. Mine, but my best of all time is Dave Scott, Mark Allen, Craig Alexander, Chris McCormack, <laughs> Alistair Brownlee, Chris Sam McCormack, John. Get him off the list. <laughs> Steve McKenna. Uh, he's a lovely yeah, bloke. Come on, mate. Yeah, I think if I was to answer it, uh, I think Alistair is the greatest. Um, and um, second is Javier, I think, because the longevity of it. And also, um, I'll say and I'll ask another question, not to answer a question, a question, but. Um, I was surprised with how Javi um, upped his game for London Olympics. I I don't know what you guys think, but I still think pre-carbon choose era, that was the fastest run in, there's ever been in triathlon. Um, and um, I was shocked that Javi, I don't know why I was shocked because he's an unbelievable athlete, but I was shocked that he raised it to that again. And um, so that's why he comes in second for me. 
Yeah, I, I agree. Just quickly touching on that run, I think it was still the fastest split because I know, as an athlete personally, that Cagliari is, is is short, and I can admit that. So I don't think Alex and I took the fastest run in history. Like, yes, it was 100%. It was a very quick, fast race, but I don't think the distance was legit. Um, which is going to, it's a shame. Like, I really want our courses to be super legit so we can compare races and times and stuff, but it's yeah, it's kind of it's a shame. Even if you take the super shoe thing, like even if you go the very low end, let's say it's two second per K difference, which the 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 stats and personal experience will tell you it's probably a little more than that. Like for a lot of athletes, it could be even three to five seconds per K at this level, at this high level. So you guys, even with that, taking those two seconds off per 10K, you know, brings you guys down into about the 20, 30, 20, 45, 40 range. Plus the, the London course was legit distance. The Cagliari course was a bit short as of other, others have been. I think it wasn't even close. I think it's the fastest run split we've ever seen by 20, 25 seconds. And it's definitely the best race we've ever seen. It's definitely the highest level of triathlon we've ever seen. Long course, short course, all of it. That, that if, if you want to look, what's the highest level a triathlete has ever got to? It's Alistair Brownlee, London 2012 Olympics. And then you sort of have to um, have to sort of expand that to well what's the second best and third best performance of all time and i think it would be pretty hard to argue it wasn't javier and yourself um, and a lot of people get caught up now in long course triathlon and seeing what christian and gustav are doing and what jan fredino is doing but i think that the three greatest performances we've ever seen in triathlon were that day in london with you three yeah no i, I agree that especially with alistair you know i remember running through uh the transition and seeing something like 14 11 or something for the first 5k um and that was off an unbelievably hard swim as well. Probably the fastest swim I've ever done in my life. A decent bike. Um, although it didn't have the kind of super high powers, it was just strong, hard riding. Um, and then the run. And then also on top of that, to deal with the pressure that Alistair had to deal with was pressure unlike anyone has ever experienced in triathlon and probably will, will ever experience. Maybe until the French <laughs> this year. <laughs> next year. But um, 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 yeah, good luck to them, to them boys and girls, because uh, I don't want to go through that again. <laughs> <laughs> well, Harvey did say well, a couple of weeks ago on the podcast that that was he thought that was his most complete, best race that he could ever put together, and he, he mm. couldn't get it over the line. Still couldn't win. Like Alistair was that day. Yeah, mm. and I, I agree. And like I said before, um, I didn't think at that time Harvey had that winning him, but he did. Hey Hayden, mm. I know that like I'm still. I've brought this up on the podcast a bit. I'm, I'm a little bit worried, especially after hearing that story Johnny just told of you crashing your bike into him at 65k an hour. Like, yes, I'm a little bit scared of you from the the spray you gave me and Hammer on the message group that <laughs> led to three or four days of us not talking on the message group because you banned us from talking about long course triathlon. Very firmly th- threatened violence, as we've already talked about in the podcast. So... I'm a bit wary. I just want to ask permission first because um, I don't want you to get angry again. Uh, you, you know, I don't want that to happen. <laughs> Is it okay if I just ask Johnny one question about long course? All right. I'm going to put a clock on and I'll give you I'll give you one minute. Three, two, one, go. Johnny, have you been happy with your long course career so far and do you plan to do more? Uh, easy answer to the first one is no. I've been uh, really happy. I've been awful so far. And again, like I said about the heat, I don't think I gave it quite the respect that it deserved in that I needed to train for, for it properly. First one I did was after a month of Super League racing. Uh, oh, yeah. And then basically two weeks later, trying to do a second. And uh, my legs just couldn't hack the run because they just fell apart. Um, the second time I did it, um, I simply hadn't prepared and didn't drink enough. So I blew apart. And uh, yeah, simply I haven't, 
I haven't given it enough respect. And at some point, I'll go back and give it a bit more uh, uh, specific training. I was actually really impressed with how Hayden just jumped into the Collins, uh, Collins Cup and stuff um, and did that. Like, that's hard. I was as sick um, as a dog. I, it was hard. <laughs> uh, yeah. And oh, yeah. And Daytona, again, I haven't done the time trialing for that. So I need to prepare better and give it a. Uh, I think the days have been able to jump in uh, and have a not very good time trial position and crack on and get round are gone now. You have to be good on your bike and uh, smooth through the, through the air and then be able to get off and run and uh, have your nutrition dialed in. And uh, yeah, I'll come back and do that, but not until after Paris, because if I want to meddle in Paris, I have to give everything to that. You need to go over to Spain and start riding bikes with Cam Worth and, and Hayden Wild. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Andorra, mate, come on, get it right. Is Andorra not in Spain? <laughs> it's his own little thing. It's in the middle of the Pyrenees. I thought Andorra was Spain. It's his own little thing. Geography is not a strong point. It's in the middle of Toulouse. Um, what are you there for now, mate? What are you there for now? You're there for the train or the, or the, the tax reasons? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm here for visa reasons, mate. No, I'm a resident here, so I don't have to get kicked out. <laughs> tax reasons. It's my home. So option my, two, Johnny. So option two. <laughs> this is my... <laughs> This is my, this is my home, people. Come on, I'm an Andorian. I've heard that Andorra is suddenly become an amazing place to train, but uh, it's also become a good place to tax. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's oh. pretty. It's pretty uh, training wise, it's awesome. It's awesome place. <laughs> I just wish I was making as much as a Premier League player. Hayden just hid, but like a bunch of fifty dollars notes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, I'd, I'd love to be a fly on the wall. Uh, when Hayden and Cam get together, can you oh. imagine the shans that are going on? That's why I brought oh, it I'll up. I'll tell you what, <laughs> that guy's fantastic. <laughs> uh, anywho, all right, let's wrap this up. Eh? Thank you so much, Johnny, for coming on and taking the time. Um, I know you're busy um, training um, and in a pretty important block heading into Montreal. So I'm not racing Montreal. But uh, best of luck in Canada. Um, hopefully the race suits you extremely well. I know it's not that super sprint um, this year, so it's hopefully it goes back up the hill for you. So uh, best of luck there. I know it's a hard course on the bike, and uh, yeah, bring it home for us. Uh, I was rooting for you in uh, Madrid. I actually really thought you had it. You looked fantastic, but Castro just played an extremely good poker face. So um, no, nah, once again, thank you so much for taking the time, telling us your story and just your career is is as i think some people just don't understand how how great you were so um it was really nice to have you on the show mate oh thank you and uh, thanks for the cheers in madrid i enjoyed you cheering me on uh yeah, thank good. you guys good. i enjoyed the hour so uh keep it up awesome now uh, cheers jack hamish um we'll see you boys next week and uh yeah i guess we're back on uh with a week off we've got another what six weeks to go so happy days thanks johnny and seriously hayden like one question, don't like, please don't be angry. Yeah, no, that's all right, mate. I'll, I'll, I was, it was about a minute 15, so it's all right, mate. It's all right. Fuck, I'm going to absolutely cop it. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Cheers, guys. I'm going to go for spinning my bike. Got See you, boys. Down, all right, sounds good, mate. Cheers, thank you. See you later. See you all.